This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Rob LaRue, President of the National Farmers Union. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with NFU President Rob LaRue, next. Today's Open Mic segment is brought to you by America's Crop Insurance Industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net, providing individualized protection on more than 311 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Members of the National Farmers Union held their 119th annual meeting virtually last week. President Rob LaRue says recovery from the pandemic, concentration of the ag industry, and upcoming climate policy are top issues for Farmers Union members. With regard to the year ahead, LaRue says members seem to be optimistic. In many parts of you know the debate and the conversation that our delegates had, you got a sense of that kind of renewed optimism, right? We're starting to get some good news about uh, coming out of the other side of the pandemic. I think generally, right, for a lot of us farmers, it's it's about getting in the spring, and there's always a sense of optimism. Sometimes that optimism gets crushed, but right now there's, there's still, you know, hopeful, right? We have strong markets, or at least getting stronger for some of the commodities. So I think there's a little bit of optimism there, and certainly a lot of questions. I, I think, you know, questions about what the administration is actually going to do, uh, what our ever kind of close political divisions up on Capitol Hill are going to mean, and, you know, something that I haven't heard for at least the last several months is, you know, the beginnings of conversations about what do we want to see in the next farm bill? And it, it always shocks me a little bit when we start having those conversations because it always seems too soon. You know, so I think it was questions, but mixed with, uh, you know, general uh, optimism and hope for uh, this year. Congress is working on stimulus. There's money for state and for local governments. There's money for agriculture. Uh, there's money for nutrition. Uh, there's two facts I think we can find out of this debate. Number one, that people need help. And number two, it has a price tag. What do you see as important and how do you evaluate this process and some of the uh, details that are in this proposal? Yeah, and I think back to the beginning of the pandemic. So, you know, about a year ago when um, all the supply uh Chain disruptions starting ha- happening well across you know the entire economy, but you know we know firsthand kind of those what the impacts were there in agriculture and the need for assistance quickly. One of the things that was positive out of those initial kind of calls for help and the response from Capitol Hill was that they happened quickly, that they were big, and while they weren't perfect in kind of tailoring um, uh, to the needs that were out there. It was trying to get resources out there as quickly as possible. Uh, It was really kind of uh, refreshing in terms of the bipartisanship that uh, that they saw. Obviously, we saw that in the first couple of packages, and then we had a big stall, and there was a lot more thought uh, going into what the uh, next package was going to look like. I think that seems like that's a pretty natural and progression, right? 
it does obviously come with a cost, but it is another one of these packages that recognizes where the needs actually are. From your perspective, which groups in ag need help? Yeah, well, that's a really good point, and I think that it has uh, shifted a little bit, right, from where it was uh, at the beginning, but I think that that's part of the reason for the resources that USDA has right now. They are taking a, a little bit of a pause to evaluate uh, because it is getting harder to to really try to identify uh, remaining uh, needs, particularly uh, in agriculture. But we also know that there are, you know, remaining needs, uh, whether it's uh, still trying to deal directly with the pandemic and trying to uh, get on the other side by making sure that that uh, farm workers and those involved in processing, all those workers who have uh, been deemed essential, right, and have been part of this process, but have also been working hard to try to make sure that they get uh, the protection that they need. So I think Certainly, there are the remaining needs, and part of this money is still tailored towards getting resources out there to rural health care infrastructure. And certainly, we're seeing talks right now about uh, additional resources and flexibility for providing resources for broadband, because as a lot of folks talk about, that's been one of the issues here, whether it's telemedicine that we're talking about or whether it's uh, kids stuck at home and not able to get back to school. But we know all too well all the challenges with broadband. There is said to be funds here, as Chairman Scott from the House has suggested, for minority farmers. And certainly if you're looking uh-huh. at a list, you've got to think that corn, soy, and wheat are in better shape than they were certainly a year ago. But the livestock industry with higher feed costs and protein costs may still be some challenges. How do you evaluate this? Yeah, well, certainly we we supported the, the House uh, package there. Without talking through the the specific details there, because I think there is some debate about the best way, but I don't think there's any debate or there shouldn't be any debate that there has been very well documented systemic challenges to getting assistance and active work to prevent assistance to black farmers, other farmers of color. And so the, you know, specifically carving out resources to uh, address those farmers who have not had uh, an equal playing field here I think uh, is is a responsible thing to do but as you point out you know if you are looking at you know farmers broadly uh, there is a big difference in terms of the markets right now uh, what the remaining pain is and we also know that for some commodities if you're not looking uh, specifically at the markets there are the regional challenges and you know uh, piling on right are these challenges that we've just had in the livestock sector feed costs uh, aside at the weather-related disasters. So it seems like, you know, as we're trying to get out from something else, uh, we get hit in different parts of the country with other challenges. I think that's just underscores the need to get this package out there. It was told by a legislator on this program earlier this year that you don't worry about the cost of water when the house is on fire. But still, there's a price tag for this program and others coming from Washington. Senator Bozeman says that PAYGO could cut farm programs significantly. Ms. Stabenow says not to worry about it, and she reminds us that the GOP tax bill in 17, that they found a way to uh, forego PAYGO for that particular measure. Is the Farmers Union concerned about the price tag and, and the consequences, perhaps? Well, I think every American should be concerned about the price tag, right? This will come home uh, to us at some point, but... That same concern, quite frankly, is there when we do have trillion-dollar 
uh, tax packages as well, like the one referenced back in 2017. So if when we are considering uh, those kinds of packages with the price tag attached to them, and we recognize that some of these Capitol Hill budget rules and so forth, like PAYGO, can have a real impact on cutting farm programs, and we agree in those times on balance that we have to make sure that we protect, so we waive those rules, then I think that certainly in the middle of a pandemic shaking our entire economy, that a very similar process uh, should be used right now. The House has already had a hearing. House Ag Committee has already had a hearing on uh, climate, and the Senate is set for one coming a bit later in the week. What process do you see taking shape on climate policy? If we look in the Farmers Union crystal ball, Rob, do you think this is coming through legislation? Uh, do you think it's coming uh, in the farm bill? Will they wait for that? Or is, is there some sort of a regulatory element that could bring climate policy? Well, certainly it's probably a combination of all of that, right? We know that Capitol Hill is looking at uh, things that they can be doing. They have actively sought the input of all agricultural groups, and uh, that's both in the House and the Senate. So we do see that that's a process, right, that will move forward. We know from the president's kind of campaign and then in his early days in office, this is very much a top-line issue for him. We've already heard Secretary Vilsack talk about the process that they are doing on climate, specifically where they are also seeking the input of groups to uh, figure out what it is that makes sense at USDA. We know that one of the ideas, right, that they're looking at is uh, using CCC authority uh, for the idea of a carbon bank. Um, and, you know, one of the conversations up on Capitol Hill is what are the things that they can do to either put uh, additional resources into existing conservation programs. So for things like that, right, it's programs that farmers and ranchers already know, they like, and are often oversubscribed and underfunded. But then they're looking at other ways that, you know, whether it's Stabenow's uh, idea of Climate Solutions Act, where you are trying to shore up the budding private carbon markets. But I think that for farmers, you know, whether it's Farmers Union or Farm Bureau, uh, a lot of those farmers were participating in the early carbon markets, the ones that tried to get off the ground back around 2008 or 9. Uh, but we didn't have the process at the federal level for that to really kick in. We have a lot more and better information now about carbon sequestration, what it actually means, how do you measure that, how do you, you know, what are all the effects there. And so as long as we are going forward, whether it's regulatory, whether it's, you know, through USDA or another agency, if it's up on Capitol Hill, as long as what we continue to hear, and that is that it will be farmer-focused, that it will be workable, uh, that it will have the resources necessary uh, to incentivize voluntary action by farmers and ranchers, then I think we'll have a workable solution. I think when you get into more mandates and things where it will just simply add to the cost of uh, farming, there you're getting away from farmer-centric and you're falling uh, victim, I think, to a system that's not going to work. That's why I think it's really worth highlighting again uh, the fact that you have a pretty unprecedented coalition now with Farmers Union, Farm Bureau, as well as the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives, uh, forestry folks, um, and environmental community, um, and many, many other farm groups coming together with the Food and 
Agriculture Climate Alliance on a united front, on a science-based approach, farmer-centric, that is workable and will be voluntary and incentive-based. I think that's uh, getting the attention of Capitol Hill and the administration, and so I'm pretty hopeful that uh, we can move forward in a direction that's not going to be scary so much as hopefully present new opportunities for our farmers. Rob, what is your concern now for dairy farmers and the dairy industry and specifically for the National Farmers Union and dairy policy? Dairy farmers uh, continue to be, in many ways, on the front lines of innovation. And, uh, you know, as we talk about environmental issues and so forth, you know, they're just real innovators here. But, you know, you cannot innovate your way into a profit when uh, prices uh, versus costs are, are out of whack. And, you know, as well as uh, everybody here who's uh, been watching this cycle, when prices are low, dairy farmers produce a lot of milk in order to cover that. When prices are high, they <laughs> produce a lot of milk to take advantage of it. So it's just a really vicious cycle. And certainly at Farmers Union, we continue to seek ways to get a control on that cycle and to bring some way to control growth if, uh, in order to get a more stable price. So out of the skillet and the end of the fire, uh, there are calls for more transparency and beef price discovery. Is this a situation where we just need more information, or does there need to be some controls, perhaps mandatory controls? Well, I am excited that USDA appears to be focused on this issue with the appointment uh, of a new uh, senior advisor on markets. I think it's way over time. I mean, it has been since the 2008 Farm Bill that we went in on the Packers and Stockyards Act and supplied a little bit more teeth in there, supplied some definitions where the law had long had no definitions. And although that then got the several-year delay, and then the late Obama administration kind of release of farmer fair practice rules, for example, and then the last administration effectively shelving all of that work. I think that Packers and Stockyards, first of all, is going to be an important place to look. Where do we need to bring in more power to the livestock growers? Um, I think is an important place. One piece of that is making sure that the markets that we have out there, that there is true price discovery. And so I do think that part of it is simply making sure that we have a clear picture, which will mean getting more information. But I think that we'll need to, to review the situation much more keenly. This is one of the top issues for our members. It has our members fired up all across the country. So I am excited that we're seeing a growing bipartisan push in the countryside for some more if not true con controls over that market, bringing some reality and transparency uh, to the marketplace. So now we see the Farm Workforce Modernization Act. It's been reintroduced. And given the, the time that we have seen here in uh, 2021, is this the answer for the farm labor situation? It's possibly one of the answers. But I would continue to say on this topic of ag labor, if the ag community, along with the farm work community and Congress, could have gotten this done, uh, it would have happened many, many years ago. The fact is, is that we continue to have proposals come up. We work on a broad coalition to come up with solutions and try to move it forward. It has historically, and I, I worry uh, that it will continue to get wrapped into 
the much broader uh, immigration debate on Capitol Hill. That's what happened in the last administration. It could easily happen uh, this time. And uh, we'll have to wait and see, but certainly we support the effort to move this forward. We are part of the broad ag coalition in this space, and we will continue to work to try to move package and, and grow support in the House. We continue to talk to our allies in the Senate, but political margins up there are really tight. And that looming broader immigration debate always seems to uh, catch the ag solution Some research was offered recently from Pew, uh, surveying Americans. 89% see China as either a competitor or an enemy. 67% of those surveyed have cold feelings toward China. 70% say we should promote human rights, even if there are economic consequences. This has been a challenging situation for the agriculture industry. What would your counsel be to Catherine Tai, to this administration, with how we deal with the Chinese? Well, avoid the mistakes of the last administration. I mean, for any gains that we you know, are now achieving with stronger purchases, even if they're not meeting promises, we certainly have much, much stronger uh, purchases, which is helping the market. But our producers suffered a you know a huge huge loss with a uh, with a trade war. So uh, I'm glad you brought up the the survey there because you know from an economic standpoint, our members know this question all too well. Any time that you're going to have a major trade war, I don't care with who, it is almost always food and agricultural products that are in the crosshairs there and the retaliation. And so if you ever go down that path. You have to make sure that you have a plan of action. Now, ultimately, they had the payments that came out. But at the beginning, there was nothing. And uh, depending on who you were, those payments may not have been enough. But the point is, is that instead of taking an approach where you poke your allies in the eye, at the same time you take on the biggest bully in the trade space, you ought to, rather than that, work with your allies, all who share the same concerns with China, and work collectively. We have to have that market, but we have to have reform in the way we do business. We have to see better openness to agricultural markets, and we have to see that be able to kind of be protected into the future. But if we are going to make progress on the big questions with China, then we're going to have to have some allies with us. Otherwise, I'm afraid you you risk putting... American farmers and ranchers back in the crosshairs, and we've made that mistake before. We shouldn't do it again. Small refinery exemptions cost the ethanol industry in the U.S. 4 billion gallons of demand, which is a little over a billion bushels of corn that wasn't ground for ethanol. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, the Tenth Circuit's decision and thoughts toward this administration in the use of SREs? And the RFS. Well, again, let's not repeat the same mistakes of the last four years. This new administration may make new mistakes, and we'll be there to watch. But on this one, they're at least signaling right now that they will enforce and treat the law associated with the RFS such that SREs, if they happen, will be much less frequent, and that we'll continue to see the demand there for ethanol. You know, we'll wait to see... Once we get an administrator at EPA uh, in place and we see some other decisions here, 
But right now, and certainly out on the campaign trail, Biden spoke positively of uh, biofuels. Now, President Trump did as well. But as you know, you've often reported here, you can't talk about your support for biofuels at the same time that you're doing all the SREs and you're losing all that demand for corn and the effect that it ultimately has on the market and on the infrastructure for ethanol production. We're hopeful that this is going to be an administration more favorable toward biofuels. Well, Rob LaRue, we want to celebrate with you the National Farmers Union and 119 anniversary with your meeting this past week. Congratulations for all that you have done and looking forward to the future that you have in serving farmers and ranchers across the country. We want to thank you for taking time in a busy week to spend with us here on Open Mic. It is Open Mic, and Rob, you have the last word today. Well, thanks, Jeff. I tell you, what a year it's been for, for everybody. It seems like it wasn't, but just a little over a year ago, that all of us were looking at that spring. We were a little bit optimistic. Things were finally going to turn around. Uh, for the markets, uh, conditions were going to be ripe to kind of, you know, come out of the uh, doldrums of, of the ag economy. And then, boom, we get hit uh, with the pandemic and all the effects that it's done. It's been a really tough year for a lot of folks. If not specific hit to their farm, then probably their family and their community in so many different ways. So for those of us uh, at Farmers Union, whether it's, you know, working as always to strengthen assistance to farm stress. That continues to be an important part, but we're also looking ahead to the future, and it is about restoring some resilience to our marketplace, whether it's the heavy amount of concentration, particularly in the livestock sector, but in other uh, sectors of agriculture, and really hoping to see a stronger voice for antitrust enforcement. So restoring some power to farmers and ranchers out there is going to be one of the keyest uh, things that we will be focused on for Farmers Union members. That, along with recovery on pandemic, and then ultimately uh, finding workable, common-sense solutions here on climate mitigation. Um, we are hopeful uh, about the next year, and uh, we'll be working hard to make it happen. Our thanks to Rob LaRue, President of the National Farmers Union, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.